0: About three weeks ago, one refinery in Houston made news by announcing it would be closing up shop by the end of next year. Lyondelle Bissell's refinery here in Houston is over 100 years old. Is the closure of this blue-blooded Houston refinery, one of only 10 refineries in the area, something we should be worried about? Today, I speak to author Lauren Steffi, a writer who has covered energy and business here in Texas for years. It's Monday, May 16th, 2022. I'm Farrell Gibbs in for Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. So Lauren, Lyondelle Bissell here in Houston announced it would be shuttering its refinery at the end of next year. Is this a surprise to you? Should we be surprised?
1: Well, you know, it's a, it's an older refinery, and um, we're starting to see companies, you know, questioning the wisdom of continuing to keep these things uh, running, given the fact that, you know, they're getting more expensive to operate. And, and how much of an investment do you want to make in overhauling a plant when, you know, we're, I mean, most predictions are that oil demand is going to start declining. I should say that seems kind of crazy given what's going on with prices right now. In the immediate short term, we kind of need all the refining we can get, right? But um but I think, you know, it's it's a longer term view and you've got to look at, you know, the long time horizon for these kind of investments.
0: So, walk us through that. We got a good breakdown last week on one of these episodes about real estate. What's happening in real estate around Houston? And I imagine that there's overlap among the sectors across the board. It has to be a really strange and unpredictable season in all of this, isn't it?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, look, the the whole situation with inflation has been crazy. Um, you know, we're, we're at a 40 year high for inflation and that is really kind of affecting everything. And in order to combat that, the Federal Reserve has now started raising interest rates, which they haven't done in like a decade. And so you have a system that's been very used to uh, zero, essentially zero interest rates, been kind of predicated on that. Low mortgage rates, um, you know, all this stuff is going to take a while to play out. And unfortunately, consumers are kind of caught in the middle.
0: Yeah. So one of the articles I read leading up to this interview mentioned that it's possible they may or may not close down by the end of next year, if another company swoops down and buys them, they just might pay less money than the refinery wants to to take. Is that is that what you think will probably happen, that they probably won't sell? Because, I mean, how do you repurpose a facility like that? It's made to do what it does.
1: I think what the most likely scenario here is kind of what you were alluding to. Somebody else will come in and buy it. Um, probably for less money than Lyondell's asking for right now. Um, But somebody will come in and buy it because the assets still have value and somebody will try to find a way to, to squeeze a little more profit out of this thing.
0: If the refinery does shut down, would it have any effect at all on prices at the pump or any other types of change around town? Or is it kind of a blip?
1: It, it's kind of a blip. I mean, the the biggest impact on prices at the pump is, is still crude oil prices. That's really what what indicates. You know, that's what that's what drives the cost through the system, and that's what's causing the issues now. Um, you know, there's still some supply chain disruption left over from COVID and that kind of thing that's adding to it. But it's really the concern that you know Russia, which is one of the biggest producers, you know, is, is basically being cut off by the world, and that's going to have an effect on supply make oil harder to find the price goes up. yeah
0: i was gonna say it's been a roller coaster ride since covid i know in this sector i guess we're in a period of flux where you have refineries that are having a hard time making money you also have the environmental considerations as well is it a win (laughs) for the environment i guess i should say with with the refinery shutting down
1: is there a victory here? I mean, if you're if you're looking at it from the standpoint of oh, a refinery shutting down would be good for the environment. Um, yeah, I don't know if you've been down to the Ship Channel lately, but <laughs> there's still a lot of a lot of stuff working down there, and that's probably going to be the case for a long time to come. So, I would imagine the overall environmental impact would be negligible. You know, I guess if you're taking the view that getting away from fossil fuels is the ultimate goal, then then this might be a step in that direction, although. Like I said, I think the most likely scenario here is somebody will buy this and keep it running.
0: Well, but there's obviously going to be a loss if it actually does sell. You know, there'll be a loss of jobs, loss of production here for Houston, I guess. What does that mean on those two fronts?
1: In terms of the overall impact, in terms of Houston's role in in, in the refining industry and whatnot, the Gulf Coast is going to continue to be a major major uh source of refining petrochemical plants all that kind of stuff it's just there's so much infrastructure here that um that it, there's really no no threat to Houston's future on that front but i think that uh your your concern about the jobs overall is definitely valid um you know i, I think one of the things that worries me most when i look at the whole sort of the broad energy transition whether you're talking about you know, drilling, refining, you know, the entire energy, you know, the scope of the energy industry, um, as we move to, you know, cleaner sources of, of energy, the jobs issue is going to be huge. Because uh, a lot of these places employ people that, you know, um, many of them haven't been to college, they might have a high school education, but they're, they're making really good money. And it's going to be tough to find jobs like that in other industries. And, and that's something that really never gets talked about. But it's a, it's a big concern. I always make the point that, you know, it takes a lot fewer people to maintain a windmill than an oil well. And so as we make this switch, we're going to have to do something in addressing the economic impact uh, because you can't just say, oh, well, you know, these people chose badly and they're in the wrong industry. And now we're not going to worry about it uh, because the economic impact from that is going to be huge.
0: Where do we stand now on clean energy?
1: Given the energy roots of Houston, there's a lot of people working on ways to make this transition more efficient, better battery technology. Um, You know, there's a lot of work being done in biofuels, hydrogen, um, you know, all kinds of interesting things. It's not just wind and solar, although there's obviously work being done on that front, too. Better transmission uh, for electricity. These are all things we need as part of this, you know, shift. And I think that Houston, perhaps more than many other cities, many other regions, because of its long history uh, in the energy industry, understands the, the magnitude of technology and investment that's going to be required for this transition. And so I think it has a more realistic perspective, perhaps, on, on some of this stuff than, than other places do. When you look at the overall trend, you know, consumers are definitely interested in things like electric vehicles. You know, Ford just is now actually selling its, uh, it's electric F one hundred and fifty, And I would think that's going to catch a lot of attention in places like Texas, you know, what Ford is doing and GM is coming along, you know, they're taking some of their most popular models and electrifying them. And that really kind of changes the game.
0: Before I got to a place where I could sit in a chair and interview you, I, I actually worked <laughs> in uh, convenience stores. I remember I worked with my brother-in-law and, and, about 10 years before we got out of that business, he said, if you, if you just look around the world and you think, what is this going to be like in 10 years? He said, we need to get out of this right now. And, yeah, you know, I think about that driving downtown, seeing these gas prices, they're up to $4 a gallon. I don't think anybody knows where things are going. But if you did the same thing, in terms of these changes that are moving from fossil fuels, how, how far in the future would you be looking? 10 years to see great changes. You know, would it be 20, 50?
1: Well, that depends on who you ask. Um, you know, and and one of the things I always point out before I answer a question like that is <laughs> that almost every prediction that's ever been made about the energy business has been wrong, <laughs> regardless of who makes it. Uh so if I'm making it, you could definitely <laughs> take it with a grain of salt, but when you look at some of the, you know, the forecasts from guys like BP, uh, Shell, you know, people that, that have a lot invested in the industry, you know, they're saying 20 to 30 years is when you're probably going to see, you know, and it's going to be a gradual shift. And look, there's going to be fits and starts. I mean, we're experiencing that right now, right? We thought... Okay, we're going to set ourselves we everybody's talking about net zero and we're going to you know we've made all these commitments to reduce emissions and then suddenly whoops, you know Russia decides to invade Ukraine and prices go crazy and now you've got the president who, you know, a year ago was calling for more green energy development suddenly, you know, uh, urging US producers to pump more oil and gas. So, you know, it's not it's not a straight line, it's definitely a zigzag.
0: You've covered for various publications, you've covered energy for quite a while here. And so, you know, it, you know, it better than all of us do. When you think about where we I don't are know about
1: that, there are people listening that are going to take issue. With
0: that. <laughs> well, let them write multiple books on the subject, but no, uh, when you know a subject, well, you, you get a feeling about it. So when you look at where we sit right now, Houston, energy, all of this, and you look to the future. Do you get a good feeling, a bad feeling? Or are you just taking a wait and see approach? I mean, do you feel dread? Because when I pass by the gas station near my house, it is $4 a gallon. Just hit it for the first time, you know, recently. It's, it, you you kind of get scared where we are and where we're going. Yeah, I mean, I
1: tend to be pretty optimistic over the long term. I think we're going to figure out a lot of the the technological challenges that confront us on energy. I always say people want energy that that's that's clean, abundant and cheap, and and it's always easy to do two of the three. <laughs> it's getting all three that's tough, but you know, I believe we'll find a way, um, in part because we're going to have to. I mean, the the need for it is going to become increasingly dire as we go forward. And, um, you know, so I I think that the incentive is there. um, But that doesn't mean that, like I said, we're not going to have short-term setbacks. And I think this year is a perfect example of that. It's probably going to be a tough year. This may not be the year to take a long driving vacation, uh, for example, this summer. But, you know, uh, I think that, that over the long term, we, we get past stuff like that.
0: Thank you so much for coming on with me today. You bet. Thanks for having me. That was Lauren Steffi, author of the new book, The Big Empty. After I spoke with Lauren, an article from the Texas Tribune came out saying that five Texas refineries had polluted above the federal limit on benzene. Liondell Bissell's Houston refinery was one of the five mentioned. We will link that article in our show notes. And as for what else is going on around Houston, it was unseasonably hot here, as advertised before the weekend. Six power plants went down on Friday, and as a result, customers were urged by the Electric Reliability Council of Texas to reduce their energy usage, to keep thermostats above 78 degrees, and to avoid using large appliances, meaning dishwashers and dryers, between the hours of 3 to 9 p.m. This marked the third time since the winter storm that the agency has asked Texans to conserve power, and it leaves those customers asking what comes next. Well, according to Space City Weather, it could get increasingly hot this week. They said, quote, we will be firmly into July-August type temperatures by midweek, with highs likely in the mid-90s, if not hotter in some spots. Lows will be in the 70s, if not the upper 70s. There's just no meaningful relief in sight. They said. That is it for CityCast Houston today. Make sure you visit houston.citycast.fm. It's a two stop shop for you to subscribe to this podcast and also to sign up for the newsletter. Also, make sure to rate the show wherever you're listening. Lisa Gray will be back from vacation tomorrow. We are excited to have her back. We'll see you then. All right, good. Good, good, good.